0: Shachtum, an Indo Askeliger.
1: Time a mon the end of Chacht er a corp, Agasuligum a Makansha, Gurfeger e a hoir, a nuik cart, len of winter thing. Schilti, vis, turme.
0: Toshi, dochretchet, nach vetach, ara, igornemjon, unchest si in the echo.
1: Vientalem a or corn <laughs> <laughs> Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle. bicycle. Today on the Indo Daily. Chain Reactions The Battle to Roll Out Cycle Lanes. Contentious cycle lanes from Dublin to Galway are causing consternation in neighbourhoods and even ending up in the High Court.
0: Galway City Council tonight revoked plans for a temporary cycleway along the promenade in Salt Hill. Councillors decided to overturn an earlier decision to support the plan after concerns from local residents, businesses and emergency services. We have a case before the court seeking a judicial review uh,
2: on Dublin City Council's uh, uh, attempt uh, to push a, a cycleway on Strand Road, uh, making it a one-way system to the detriment of the whole community.
1: Government policy is to get us out of our cars and onto our bikes.
2: Like the addition of cycle lanes and bus lanes, which take away road space from cars, we need to be honest with people that what we're doing there is actively discouraging and discommoding drivers in order that we can make the change to save our planet.
1: I'm Fionnain Chehan and today on the Indo Daily, we look at the collision between national aspiration and local reality of developing cycle lanes. Joining me are David Turner, chairperson of the Sandy Mountain Marion Residents Association in Dublin and Suzanne Mead, road safety technical expert with Transport Infrastructure Ireland. David Turner, can you remind me of the issue with the cycle lanes in Sandy Mount in Dublin?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, We currently have a plan that was uh, put forwards to uh, divert traffic from the Marion gates and uh, uh, in the northbound direction and put a dual cycle lane on the other side of the road. And uh, at the moment that seems to have stalled, uh, the council were starting the, the works and uh, there was actually a level of frustration that broke out from some residents and uh, it was escalated to an injunction. So it's all stalled pending a, uh, a decision that's going to be reached in the near future by a High
1: Court judge. So you are a, a suburb a, effectively on the edge of, of, of Dublin City by the coast, so you're on the, the, the coastal route, and the, the difficulty is you have a, a finite amount of space to to get down that, that coastal route.
2: No, that's correct. I mean, it's effectively a converging funnel from the Merion Gates towards the uh, – it breaks out across the, the Sandy Round area and then converges again onto the uh, Sean – Moor Road and the East Link Bridge so there's very little room for expansion and there's a high level high volume of, of, of traffic people, pedestrians, cyclists running through that and at the pinch points it's uh, it's very intense
1: What were the problems that, that local residents were identifying?
2: The uh, well, the, the problem—I mean, the Sand Road is uh, extremely busy, extremely noisy, and the data sensors that have been put up since show that it's actually one of the noisiest in Dublin. And you can see that probably at this moment online with the data. Um, that had long been an objective of residents to try and improve. So, a dangerous road with, which was a, a beach road, narrow—you know—narrow um, p- pavements, shallow foundations, uh, continuously being repaired, and. Um, just wasn't suitable for the volume of traffic, small diameter roundabouts and uh, HGVs, pedestrians, cyclists, people trying to cross the road, very dangerous uh, mix. so the pedestrian's very concerned about that uh, the usage of that road, which is basically a it's not a bypass, it is a regional road, but it's uh over oversaturated uh, with traffic. But the other problem was uh, there is a a village there in the centre of uh, Sandy Mount. The roads are all very quaint. They're relatively narrow, lots of curves. It it doesn't lend itself to an easy throughput of traffic. And if you divert from one road, you'll actually cause uh, very busy uh, pinch points in lots of other roads and dangerous situations arriving. And so those were the concerns, really. I mean, if you divert from one place, you'll converge it with intensity to another place. And uh, the routing that was put forwards really didn't consider the optimal solutions to that. And what we want is a good solution. We want more cycle routes. We want it to be worked. But we want a a solution that will make sense and not cause those dangerous situations
1: from arising. So your concern was the the introduction of a a one-way system would effectively just move the traffic from one place to, to the next and what level of consultation was there between the council and the local residents?
2: Well, well the consultation process uh, I think everybody understands that mistakes were made here um, the The traffic analysis that was asked for was done and uh, that data wasn't actually made available of the impact from just the modelling until after the consultation website was closed down in the first place um, so most people felt uh, a level of distrust arriving from that and it was very clear that this isn't needing traffic modeling to understand that it's going to cause problems by displacing traffic from one very busy saturated place to another and uh, if you consider this as being like a a safety system as well you wouldn't do that in a in a, an industrial plant um, you know, knowingly make a change that will cause uh, risks elsewhere without understanding what those risks are and mitigating them. So, you know, in in an example from a roads network perspective, you start to displace traffic from a very intense area and then start to move it across school entrances, for example, you you know what the consequences of that are going to be. So um, the the residents felt um, generally that putting an on-road cycle route doesn't make sense because of that all of the impacts it's going to uh, cause across the area. But for this particular area, it's quite unique because there are pinch points at either end, geographically built in with the East Link Bridge at the north and the roads that run onto that, and on the south, uh, the, the, the Sean Moor with the, um, sorry, the south with the Marion Gates and the, the railway crossing. So two 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 points which traffic converge into and uh, and create those conditions that start to arise across the reason, region if uh, if if the traffic has a uh, is, is diverted how did it end up in the high court well the residents the sandy Mount residents wanted a a, a good long term solution they recognized they really wanted to support cycling and we were working constructively with the 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 previous Lord Mayor, the the council, and we were endeavouring to make progress through that process and but there was exasperation uh, from another group of residents which actually chose to escalate it in a way that sent it to the High Court through a planning injunction and to a um, and at the moment the High Court is going to adjudicate on the process planning and environmental uh, process that should have been followed and it was the uh, frustration that broke out from um, a group of residents that, and they decided to take that approach.
1: And you've had a trial on, on that stretch of road as well in terms of trying to, to reduce traffic uh, speeds, how did that work?
2: Well the, the, tr- the trial didn't occur, this was to be a trial The concern was that we don't need the trial to know that this is going to cause the difficulties that I've already described. It wasn't the right solution and the distrust really was that this would not be a trial, it would actually be just the start of putting down something as a long-term solution. And residents actually, um, the general sort of view from the residents, uh, running around 80% from the survey that we did, was that they all want an off-road solution. They know that it's possible, it needs a bit of engineering, but there's other, other works to be done that could be incorporated. And even if it took a little longer, that would be the optimum way of moving this forward so that everybody gets a really good outcome. And you're a cyclist yourself? I do some cycling. Um, I'm not a cyclist. That I, I'm not, I don't cycle every day. Keeping fit, exercise, when I can, I do. Um, but I do both cycling and, and drive.
1: And what do you think of the, the cycling infrastructure in Dublin City where you live?
2: I think it's <clears throat> it's very much a patchwork quilt at the moment. I, I think it's it's difficult for both motorists uh, and cyclists. Cyclists have got the advantage that they can see and hear more. Um, motorists are very nervous of you know of cyclists jumping out. So th- there's quite a lot of frustration on both sides. I can see that from you know as I do both both modes of transport.
1: And you're on that that main stretch of road that is supposed to become one of the best cycle lanes in the country, which is from Sutton on the north side of Dublin out out to Sandy Cove uh, on the the south coast. When do you see that being finished?
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean, the the vision was from Sutton to Sandy Cove, and it is a fabulous uh, routing around the bay. I mean, it's a UNESCO biosphere. It's the only capital city in the world to have a biosphere as part of it or uh, appended to it. Um, It's got an EU designated nature reserve. It's a very special place and that's why the residents actually want the best possible outcome that they can get that uh, doesn't shortchange anybody and it can live there for the long term. I think the sooner we start working on that long term outcome uh, and if we can all get behind that and work it together uh, I think we've got some great ideas that would uh, would help and uh, instead of having something that was uh, effectively short circuited and uh, introduced as a you know, uh, as, a, as a trial, but which nobody believed would actually be that.
1: So from, from a very local example, Suzanne, going to you on a, on a, on a national level, you've, you, you're you developing a, a national cycle network for the country. Tell me first, who are Transport Infrastructure Ireland?
0: So Transport Infrastructure Ireland are responsible for delivering light rail and national road projects. So they operate, maintain and fund projects um, on the National Road and, and light rails.
1: Uh, so within that come, come cycle lanes. Tell us about the, the new National Cycle Network then.
0: Um, well, it's it's embedded in a, in a few different policies um, within Ireland. So the, the, the most important one, I suppose, is the Climate Action Plan. It's, it's mentioned that we will ha- deliver a National Cycling Network. Within that, it's in the Programme for Government. It's also in the National um, Sustainable Mobility Policy and the road safety strategy. So all of those um, areas of policy and government um, are pointing towards um, delivering and providing a national cycling network uh, for the country.
1: So give us the key points of, of the plan as you as you see it at this point.
0: So this is going to be a core network or a backbone. Um, and just the, the speaker earlier just mentioned about the patchwork of uh, cycling infrastructure that we have at the moment. So there's local level and there's city level uh, cycling networks going on at the moment. So this uh, core network across the country is is going to connect all of those um, urban uh, cycle networks and greenways as well. So it'll be one integrated um, network for the country in order to allow people to move around the country by cycling as a real alternative to the car.
1: And at, at what stage in the planning do you reach out to, to different stakeholders uh, in, in planning your cycle network?
0: So that, that has been going on uh, in, in the background already consultations with Cyclist IE, consultations with Sport Ireland, consultations with um, um, the Tourist Board, uh, consultations with all of the local authorities as well. So um, now this is public consultation with the users, the eventual users, so the biggest stakeholder, I suppose you could say.
1: What is envisaged for dealing with people who have concerns or, or objections about in, individual routes being developed?
0: Yeah, I, I think um, at the moment, what we have with this network, you won't actually see individual routes within this. So, as I said, this consultation is really early consultation, getting people on board, letting people know that this is coming, letting people know why we're doing it, letting people know the objectives of it and and the rationale behind why we're doing this, and also letting people know that when they see this coming at the local level, this isn't just about this one little link in the local level, this is actually part of a much wider network uh, to provide that, as I said, backbone. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing to mention as well, if people are looking at it and say, well, you know, my town isn't connected, how come I'm not connected? So this is just the backbone. There's also all of the other local um, networks and greenways as well that will will be feeding into this backbone um, and this core network. So if you don't see a link passing through your town or village, the chances are there is another scheme either developed by the local authority or the NTA that will feed into this backbone.
1: Is there a country or countries that you're looking at that we should be aspiring to?
0: That's a that's a great question. And again, that the work on kind of understanding that and looking at best practice was one of the state one of the steps taken for developing what you see here today on on, on that on on the web, consultation website. So um basically uh through all of the European cities or all of the European countries. And broader to see what would be best practice. So um, not just best practice in high cycling countries but best practice in countries that went from low cycling which we are to much higher cycling. So we looked at Germany, looked at Hungary, looked at the UK our nearest neighbour and also looked at um, Belgium, Denmark and, and the Netherlands. So one of the ones that were looked at uh, that has done something similar um, they started back in 2016 uh, was um, in Flanders in Belgium and they were to deliver kind of interurban intertown uh, kind of connections so you could travel from town to village, etc and they had a plan of 2400 kilometers and they're I think in their second and third wave of projects. So looking at what they were able to deliver, um, I think look at it, that it's, it's definitely possible what we're proposing here, uh, subject to, of course, um, uh, public support and and funding being available.
1: Is there any aspect of the plan that will, will say cyclists need to be prioritised above cars? Uh,
0: there, there may be, yeah. So um, in urban areas, so there's, there's a definite split between what you do in an urban area because speeds are lower and what you would do in a rural area where speeds are high. So this particular plan is different to maybe a lot of the other plans that we've been seeing in Ireland because a lot of this, except for the greenways, will be in high-speed, potentially in high-speed environments. So really, when you've got high-speed cars, you really need to segregate. And so I think that in a lot of um, kind of consultation with with people across Ireland, there is a huge push for segregation. So mixing with um, high-speed traffic uh, will be avoided. Um, if you're also if you are in an urban envi- or if you're in a rural environment and you're at a junction looking at what has been successful elsewhere the priority in that case if uh, if a route was crossing a junction should go with, with with the traffic but again if you're in an urban area then uh, the priority should be with the um, pedestrian cyclists
1: Okay David going back to you has from your experience do you think what you've gone through can inform national policy. Oh, I, I do. And
2: uh, I, I was interested to hear, you know, as you uh, from Suzanne there, as you get down to the to the detail uh, in urban areas, it, it becomes more constrained. It becomes more difficult. You've got less space. I mean, by the nature of an urban area, that's what you have. And so you have to be more creative and you have to work with what you've got. And. Um, Very clearly, some creative solutions need to be worked through that with the stakeholders. And I I was interested to hear earlier on, you know, that when he comes, we're all residents. And at the end of the day, you've got to involve the residents as well, who perhaps know the area better because they live there. And they could actually co-create with the right bodies involved. I would say from a national perspective, when you start doing this detailed level of consultation, don't short circuit the consultation process. Uh, Go slow initially, it might feel very slow, but you'll go much faster as it starts to open the doors and knock down the constraints and open the possibilities that you didn't see that were there before. So co-creation would be the right way to go forward here. And I think that's what hasn't been done here.
1: And my thanks to Suzanne Mead and David Turner, I'm Fiona Sheehan and today's Indo-Daily was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Gareth Mulhall, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from Oroctus TV, RTE and the bicycle race by Queen. Now, we'll be looking further at the tension between cyclists and motorists, so we'd like to hear from you on who you think is more aware of the rules of the road. Share your views by emailing us at podcasts at independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.